Thank you, Skip. It is always a great privilege for me uh, to be in Albuquerque with you folks. And Operation Christmas Child, as you saw on the screen, it just keeps getting bigger. And God seems to keep blessing it in the most unusual ways. And the reason, you know, people ask me, Franklin, why is it successful? It's because, first of all, God has blessed it. It's a God thing. It's not because uh, I'm clever or I'm smart. That's not it at all. God has just blessed it because it's people like you that put those boxes together that pray. And that's one of the things that we ask every person who puts together boxes to pray. Now, I don't know the theology of praying for a box, okay? Skip will have to do a series on that. Uh, what, what I'm talking about is, is praying for the child who's going to get the box, and I don't know who that child is. It may be a Native American kid in this country. It could be someone in Guatemala or Honduras. It could be somebody in Africa, the Middle East. I don't know where these boxes, what actual country it's going to go to, but we're going to over a hundred countries this year with seven million boxes. That's, that's what it is this year. And we have had some of the most unusual stories. Um, last year, we were distributing a box in Bosnia, boxes in Bosnia, and a child in an orphanage where we were was given a box. And the child handed the box back to the person who was distributing the boxes, says, I don't want a box, I want parents. And the person who was handing the box said, I can't give you parents. God can. All I have to give you is this box. And it comes from someone who cares a lot for you. So the child took the box, and we ask everybody to put your name and address in the box and to put your picture in the box. Because I want the child who gets the box to see who gave the box. And inside this box was a picture of a couple and their address. And the little boy wrote them back to thank them for the box. Well, about two months later, this couple who gave the box, who was childless, got this note from this little boy in an orphanage thanking them. And they wrote him back. And he wrote them back. Well, to make a long story short, the boy wanted parents. I think God heard that prayer. That, that couple adopted him. And he got his parents out of that box. And we have had so many stories of how little lives have been touched and how families have been brought together. And it's, it's a wonderful testimony to the love that our Father has, not only for us, but for every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. And so I thank you for what you all have done. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for each and every box. And as Skip asked, as we go forward now with these boxes, uh, as they go around the world. In some of these boxes, it will take months for them to deliver because they literally, some places will be delivered on donkey back. Uh, in Afghanistan, we've had them on the backs of camels. 
and uh, going up into these remote areas of the world. And it takes a little time, but just trust me, whenever those boxes arrive, it's Christmas. It's going to be Christmas for those children. And just pray that as the people, as our partners around the world, the Christians and the churches around the world distribute these boxes, that they will be given the opportunity to tell every child about God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want this program to be about soul winning. Now, I've been criticized in some countries for for being too religious. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's what I am. Not that I'm too religious, but our program is about giving the gospel. And, of course, this is a Christmas program. And we want to tell the world that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want every child that we give a box to, seven million this year, I want every child who gets a box to know that God loves them, that Christ died on a cross for their sins. I was preaching last weekend in Argentina, and we had a group there from Temuco in Chile. And they were asking for me to come next year to hold a crusade in Temuco. And so the committee uh, and myself, we sat around a table and we talked about Chile and what they were expecting and what they were wanting. And one of the men at the end of the meeting said, uh, oh, by the way, he said, I'm your representative for Operation Christmas Child in our area. Well, I didn't even know we did Operation Christmas Child in Temuco, Chile. I said, well, that's great. I said, tell me about it. He said, well, last year we had 40,000 boxes sent to our area, and we did a distribution. And 30,000 decisions for Christ. I said, what? I thought I misread it or didn't hear it right because he was speaking, you know, he's speaking English, but, you know, his, his first language is Spanish. And I thought, well, maybe he you know, miscommunicated something. I said, well, say that one more time. He said, we got 40,000 boxes and we have 30,000 decisions for Christ. So friends, 7 million boxes. Could we trust God for maybe a million children in the next few months who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Maybe 2 million? Is that too much to ask? Or how about 7 million? Could God do that? I think he could. So just pray as these boxes go. And everyone who gave a box prayed that 7 million prayers ascending to the throne in heaven. You think God might take notice? I think so. So let's just pray. Pray for these children and these boxes as they go now around the world that God will use these and touch them in a significant way for his kingdom. A few um, months ago, uh, about two months ago, I got a, a call from the foreign minister of Sudan. His name is Dr. Ishmael Mustafa. And uh, this is a country that Samaritan's Purse has been at work in. Uh, this country for the last 50 years has been embroiled in a very bitter conflict, a civil war. The northern half of the country is Muslim. The southern half is predominantly Christian. And uh, the government that is Islamic has instituted Islamic or Sharia law. Uh, There's slavery in this country. Uh, Today, uh, black Africans uh, are still bought and sold in the slave markets in the Sudan. And this, this war has claimed in the last 20 years over 2 million lives. And I've been an outspoken critic 
of this regime, this government. Uh, this government has bombed our hospital in the southern Sudan where you saw Dennis Agajani and I on that little thing going back and forth. Well, that's in Louis in the Sudan, and the government has bombed that hospital on seven occasions, and they bombed it last year. Well, when I got the phone call from the foreign minister of Sudan, I thought to myself, this is going to be interesting. So uh, he came on the phone, and he says, Reverend Graham. I don't like to be called by titles like that, but I said, well, Mr. Foreign Minister, how are you, sir? He said, uh, Reverend Graham, I'm doing very well, and uh, I want to thank you for the good work you have done in the Sudan. I thought, boy, if you like it so much, why have you tried to bomb it? Now, I didn't say that, but I thought it. He said, as you know, we are about to sign a peace treaty. And that's true. The North and the South with President Bush's encouragement. This 50-year war looks like it's going to come to an end sometime in the next couple of months. President Bush has done a fantastic job in, in keeping everybody focused on, on a peace settlement. And the foreign minister said, we would like to invite you to come this Christmas with your Christmas program to Khartoum. I said, you mean our shoeboxes? He said, yes. He said, I would like for you to meet with our president. I would like to have you meet with Muslims as well as Christians, and I would like for you to distribute your gifts to the children. I said, you, you want me? <laughs> he said, and, and uh, if you want to be critical of the government, you can. I said, Mr. Foreign Minister, if I accept the invitation to come to your country, I'll be a good guest. I'll keep my mouth shut till I leave. <laughs> so I said, well, Mr. Foreign Minister, I said, uh, thank you for the invitation. I said, let me talk to Senator Frist, and I'll talk to the White House, and I'll call you back. So I did that, and Senator Frist said, Franklin, I think you ought to go. I talked to the White House. He said, Franklin, I think you ought to go. So I called the foreign minister back, and I said, I'm coming. I said, um, I'll bring the world's largest airplane. It's an Antonov 225 with 80,000 shoebox gifts. And I want to have permission to distribute them all over your country. And I would like to be able to fly where I want to fly with no restrictions. He said, we agree. I said, furthermore, I would like to have 30 minutes on national television to talk about peace. He said, we agree to that. You do? Okay. So we leave next Saturday for Sudan. And um, now I'm, I'm going to take 30 minutes on television to talk about peace, the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell the whole nation how they can have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I want that whole nation to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So pray uh, next week as we go. It's a dangerous part of the world. Sudan is a nation that's on the terrorist list uh, of, of nations that uh, the United States uh, has put on their terrorist watch list. Uh, this is where Osama bin Laden 
made his home for a number of years. A notorious international terrorist like Carlos the Jackal lived there for a number of years. It's, uh, it's a, a difficult part of the world. But I believe it's a part of the world that God is opening a door. I didn't ask to go there. They asked me. And so I'm, I'm going. And I'd appreciate your prayers as we go for our safety, our protection, but more importantly, that we will use the opportunities that God gives us uh, to tell this nation about the Prince of Peace. I want to talk about forgiveness. I think of a nation that has been at war for 50 years and the killings that have taken place and the reconciliation that needs to take place and forgiveness that needs to take place. And as I think about the Sudan and the forgiveness that will need to happen on both sides, I think about forgiveness right here in this room. Uh, mothers that need to forgive daughters, daughters that need to forgive mothers, sons that need to forgive their fathers, and fathers that need to forgive their sons, husbands and wives that need to forgive each other for mistakes that have been made over one's life. And forgiveness is a very difficult thing. It's something that um, many people go through life too proud to forgive. And so I want to look at a passage of Scripture that deals with forgiveness. And it's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more? And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not 
ceased to kiss my feet since I, since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus is invited to the home of this Pharisee. And as we know, Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day. He was one of the chief Pharisees. He was one of the leading citizens. If it was Albuquerque, he would be one of the top citizens of Albuquerque. He had a good reputation. And now he was religious, now right down to his toenails. He um, prayed. He tithed. He was a Sunday school teacher. He did all the right things. And Simon invites him to this home. Now, it wasn't just any house. It was probably the best house in town. It had servants. Big table, a big banquet, and Simon had brought all of his friends into his home. And, you know, I thought about that. Wouldn't that be neat if, you know, somehow you could just invite Jesus and he would come right into your home and you could sit down and have a meal and break bread and ask him questions and just have him open up the scriptures and, and just teach you? And he'd say, boy, wouldn't that really be neat if I could just invite Jesus into my home? But you know what you can? You can invite him into your heart's home. And there some of you here tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ. You've never met him. Oh, you've heard about him. You might even believe, but you've never trusted him as your Savior. And tonight I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never invited him into your heart's home, into your life to live. Tonight, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. In a few moments, I'm going to invite you just to stand, make your way to an aisle, and come stand here. When we've all gathered, I'm going to lead you in a prayer tonight to ask Christ into your heart, into your life. You can invite him home tonight with you. You prepare to come in just a few moments. The Bible, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him and he with me. That's what can happen tonight. Is Christ knocking on the door of your heart? If you'll open your heart tonight, he'll come in and you can have fellowship with him and he with you. But you've got to open that, that door tonight. You've got to invite him in. Simon invites Jesus, but Simon does some strange things. For some reason, he doesn't show the normal hospitality. Now, in that part of the world, when you're invited to someone's home because everybody wore sandals and there were no paved roads, your feet got dirty. It was dusty. And so when you went into somebody's home, they would offer to wash your feet. Also, it helps keep the house a little cleaner. Keeps those footprints off that shag carpet. And they would greet you with a kiss. <coughs> and you say, well, that's kind of strange for two men to kiss each other. I mean, have you seen these French people on TV? I mean, you know, they, they kiss each other on each cheek and two or three times. And well, in the Middle East, they do that. And they're not gay. <laughs> that's just the way they are. I mean, they just kiss each other on the cheek. 
And you would do these kind of greetings when someone came into your home. But for some reason, Simon didn't do this. And I think it's because Simon wasn't really excited about Jesus being so much the guest in his home as he was. Jesus was a celebrity. And it was kind of a cool thing to do, just have Jesus come into your house and invite your friends over, and let's see if we can trick him. Let's see if we can trap him. Let's get every trick question we can and throw it at him. And so this normal hospitality is not shown to our Lord. And then all of a sudden, this woman comes in and she crashes the party. She's not invited. And she comes into this party and she has a reputation. Now, I don't know exactly what her reputation was, but the Bible says she was a sinner. Now, you think of reputations. I think of George Bush. He's got a reputation. He went to Baghdad last or Thursday. Kind of a gutsy guy. Lands on aircraft carriers. That's kind of cool. Regardless of your politics, whatever you think of George Bush, he has a reputation. To some people, you may love him. Some people may hate him. But he's got a reputation. Uh, you think of the Pope. He has a reputation. You think of your mayor, your governor. They have a reputation. Osama bin Laden has a reputation. People, when you think of Osama bin Laden, you think of a, a mass murderer. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger, you think of a reputation as a great movie star. And now he's a governor. And... Uh, when he was running for governor, I mean, all of a sudden, some other reputations were coming to the media. But all of us have reputations. And you have a reputation before God. Every last one of us in this room, we've got a reputation. You want to know what that reputation is before God? You've got a reputation as a sinner. The Bible says we have all sinned and we've all come short of God's glory and the wages of sin is death. Every last one of us in here tonight, we're sinners before God. But friends, I'm here to tell you that God loves sinners. This is why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, was to save sinners. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save life, not to destroy life. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, out of heaven, down to this earth for you and for me. And if we are willing to confess our sins and to turn and by faith to receive Christ, God will forgive us and cleanse us. He will forgive us. And so Simon invites Jesus and this woman comes in who has this reputation. Now, the Bible says she's a sinner and I have a feeling she was probably a lady of the evening. You can call her a whore. You can call her a streetwalker. You can call her a bored housewife who's just looking for fun. I don't know. But the Bible said she was a sinner. She was a sinner. And everybody in that room knew this woman's reputation. They knew it. And they were shocked as this woman comes behind Jesus and takes this, this oil and puts them on the Lord's feet and she's weeping and the tears are falling off her face onto His feet and she's taking her hair 
And I don't think she's trying to wash his feet so much. I think she's probably embarrassed that her tears have dropped on his feet and she doesn't know what to do. And she just takes her hair and she's trying to dry the tears off the Lord's feet. And Simon's condemning her. Because you see, Simon's a sinner, but he doesn't see himself as a sinner. He sees the woman as a sinner. And if Jesus were a prophet, he would never allow that dirty, filthy woman to touch him. But you see, Jesus came for sinners. He wasn't there to chase sinners away. He was there to welcome sinners, to receive sinners. And that's what he'll do for you tonight. He'll forgive you. He'll receive you. If you're willing to come, just like this woman with a broken heart, she came, she wanted forgiveness, she wanted to be set free. She wanted a new life. She wanted a new beginning. And she didn't care whose house that was. She wanted forgiveness and she marches right in and she goes right to the feet of Jesus Christ and she falls down. She humbles herself and she weeps. She's got a broken heart and she wants forgiveness. And Jesus tells a story of two people who owe money to a money lender. One owed $500, the other owed 50 Neither one could repay. Neither one. But the money lender forgave both. And he says, Simon, who do you think would love the most? Well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. And Jesus turns to this woman and says, your sins are forgiven. All of us have sinned. We've all come short of God's glory. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no other way to God except through Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And this woman, she came and she fell at the feet of Jesus. She wanted forgiveness. She wanted cleansing. She wanted a new life, a new beginning. And you know what? She got it. Because she put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and she humbled herself before Him. And friends, tonight, if you're willing to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and humble yourself before Him and say to God, I've sinned and I'm sorry and I believe Jesus Christ is your Son and I want Him to come into my heart and to my life, tonight God will forgive you, He'll cleanse you, and He'll set you free. But it's a choice you have to make. Nobody can make that choice for you. It's a choice you've got to make. Have you ever made that choice? Have you ever asked Christ into your heart, into your life? You say, well, Franklin, I think so. Wait a second. Have you done it? You say, well, I I, I think I'm okay. You know, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, I I come to this church. I I tithe. I give money. Uh, I get involved in programs like your Operation Christmas Jolly. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty good guy. Listen, I'm not talking about if you're a good guy or not. Simon was a good guy. Oh, he was a great guy. He had a great home. Everybody in town liked him. He had a great reputation. But he was a sinner. Have you asked Christ into your heart? You say, well, I'm not real sure. I'm talking about tonight being real sure. I'm talking about without any doubt, without any hesitation, where you can say, yes, I've asked Christ into my heart, into my life, and he's the Lord of my life. If you're not that sure, you can be sure tonight. But just getting up out of your seat in a moment and come standing here and saying to God, I have sinned and I'm sorry, forgive me. The wages of sin is death. That's the penalty. And every last one of us are under the sentence of death. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. 
I was 22 years old when I got on my knees one night and I said, God, I have sinned against you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and I want to invite him into my heart and to my life. And that night, God forgave me, not because of anything that I did. He forgave me because I confessed my sin and I asked Christ to come into my heart. And that night, Jesus Christ came into my heart and to my life to be the Lord of my life. I surrendered all of my life to him. I had never done that. I had sat in church. I had heard the gospel many times, but I had never surrendered my life. That night I surrendered my life. And I let Jesus Christ take control of my life. And that night God forgave me and He cleansed me. I tell you what, friends, I've had no regrets. I've had no regrets. He took my life. He cleansed it. He changed me. He forgave me. And if I die tonight, I know I'd go immediately into the presence of Almighty God. How about you? Do you know that you're forgiven? Are you sure? If you're not sure, 